Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, the audio home for Resurrection Lutheran Church of Monty, Ohio. You've got your daily Bible reading for November 16th, looking at Romans chapter 3. What advantage is there then in being a Jew? Or what benefit is there in circumcision? Much in every way. Indeed, above all else, they were entrusted with the messages of God. Now what if some did not believe? Their unbelief will not nullify God's unfaithfulness, will it? Absolutely not. God must be true, even though everyone is found to be a liar, just as it is written, so that you will be justified whenever you speak, and win the case when you judge. Now if our unrighteousness demonstrates God's righteousness, what shall we say? God is not unjust in bringing his wrath on us, is he? I am speaking from a human point of view. Absolutely not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? For example, someone might say, If by my lie the truth of God increases all the more to his glory, why am I still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, Let us do evil, so that good may result. Their condemnation is deserved. What then, are we any better off? No, not at all. In fact, we have already made the charge that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. Just as it is written, There is no one righteous who understands, not even one. There is no one who searches for God. They all turned away together. They became worthless. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They keep deceiving with their tongues. The poison of asps is on their lips. Their mouth is filled with cursing and bitterness. Their feet are quick to shed blood. They leave a trail of destruction and suffering wherever they go. The way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God in front of their eyes. Now I know that whatever the law says is addressed to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world will be subject to God's judgment. For this reason no one will be declared righteous in his sight by works of the law, for through the law we become aware of sin. But now, completely apart from the law, a righteousness from God has been made known. The law and the prophets testify to it. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all and over all who believe. In fact, there is no difference, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God publicly displayed as the atonement seat through faith in His blood. God did this to demonstrate His justice, since, in His divine restraint, He had left the sins that were committed earlier unpunished. He did this to demonstrate His justice at the present time, so that He would be both just and the one who justifies the person who has faith in Jesus. What happens to boasting, then? It has been eliminated. By what principle? By the principle of works? No, but by the principle of faith. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith without the works of the law. Or is he only the God of the Jews? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, also of the Gentiles, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised person by faith and the uncircumcised person through that very same faith. So are we doing away with this law by this faith? Absolutely not. 
Instead, we are upholding the law. This is the word of our God. You'll notice that this book of Romans is very tightly written with almost a dialogue that Paul carries on between himself and the reader, and this this chapter is no exception. As he had made the first statement in chapter 1, that the pagans will be held accountable even though they don't have the written law because they can see from nature that God is divine and powerful and has standards and we fall short. Um, They can see from nature all these things about God and they haven't even lived up to that. And so then they will be judged guilty on account of that. And what is more from chapter 1, they gave up that little knowledge that they had of God and said, I want to do my own thing and go my own way. And so God said, okay, you can go that way, have it your way. Chapter 2, he zooms in on the Jew and the Jewish believer. The Jewish believer who might say um, that we have the law, we are, we are the circumcised, we are the people who have been set apart. We've got God's written word in our nation. And they might take pride and kind of get puffed up about that idea, as though they would, they would not be subject to God's judgment and they will escape God's wrath because they were the nation that received the word of God. And they were the nation who's, you know, who were set apart through that covenant of circumcision. And Paul says, well, that's not the case either. And the person who just finished reading chapter 2 might say, well, you know, what's the point then? If circumcision is a circumcision of the heart and the, the, the unbelieving or the, the believing pagan is better off than the unbelieving Jew, this believing pagan um, that we see at the end of, end of chapter 2, Paul says, you know, circumcision is a matter of the heart. And the one who believes is as though he has been circumcised. And the unbelieving Jewish person is as though he hasn't been circumcised. So what's the point, Paul? People are getting confused. Um, And that's the question he asks. Verses 1 and 5 at the beginning of this chapter is where he really leads off with those questions, anticipating them. What advantage is there, then, in being a Jew? Or what benefit is there? to circumcision. Like, why would I go through with this? And um, and I thought that, you know, God's chosen people were God's chosen people. And is that not the case? You know, maybe I would have been better off if I had been born a Greek, the way you're talking, Paul. Well, he answers that in verses 2 and 3. Above all else, they were entrusted with the messages of God. These people had the word of God. And that word of God if if studied, would continue to create faith and keep them in the faith and prepare them for the arrival of the Messiah. The problem was that that word of God was hidden. <laughs> Either they didn't read it or um, it was physically hidden in the, the fallen down temple in the days of King Josiah or hidden in the sense that even though they had it, they didn't use it and they missed the point. So that by the time Jesus walked the earth, and Paul was a Pharisee too, remember, by the time Jesus walked the earth, it was really a matter of all the rules that you could keep that day, and all the ways that you would be able to assert your own um, superiority over against others who didn't keep as many rules as you did. But Paul says that 
they still had the Word of God. And there's a benefit just in that. And all you have to do was, is read it. Um, now what if, if some didn't believe? They have the Word of God, but they don't use it. Or it, it fell by the wayside. Their unbelief um, will not nullify God's faithfulness. God will be true. And so the promises of forgiveness will still be there. Um, even when some, some don't believe... All they do is forsake what God had promised to them. And for those people that don't believe, for the Jewish people that didn't believe, um, the possession of the word in their nation, and secondly, circumcision, and even thirdly, that Paul gets to later in the book, the fact that Jesus Christ now and forever shares their ancestral DNA, that is of, of no worth or value, if there is no faith. And so Paul expertly weaves together this argument to say that the bottom line is faith. That if there is no faith, then the best and the most prolific of deeds are of no good. And if there is faith, then coming from the worst of backgrounds and carrying out the even the smallest of deeds is a beautiful thing in God's eyes. And that's really where he goes with his next question in verse 5. And it's really the same question that he asks in verse 7. If our unrighteousness demonstrates the fact that God is righteous, is God unjust in bringing his wrath on us? Um, or verse 7 is just kind of the reverse of that. And what he says there, if by my lie the truth of God increases all the more to his glory, why am I still being judged? As if to say... The bad things that I do demonstrate that I'm not God, and surely that brings glory to God, because I'm not claiming to be God, right? And he answers in verses 6 and 8, it's ridiculous. You know, don't, don't try to, to paint, um, paint sinful action with a beautiful paintbrush, because it is still sinful, and even though, even though a person's actions might not be prompted by faith, and our unrighteousness is the case, well, let God be true and every man a liar. Meaning, God's promises of grace in the gospel and his promise of wrath and condemnation in the law is not dependent on human action. God's promise of law, of of salvation to those who keep it and punishment for those who don't that's going to stand true and and it's true and it doesn't change anything about god even if he were to send all people to hell for not living up to that law god would still be a god of love because he had given a way for people to go to heaven and god's promise of the gospel well what if nobody believes it <laughs> you might say what if nobody believes it? And God's promise of law or God's promise of the gospel is still there, and it will still stand true, and it will stand true even if all the rest of the world held their noses and walked away. Which kind of really gets to the purpose of the church. And what does success look like in God's church? Success looks like the preaching of the word. 
success has been attained in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And people gathered around word and sacrament are just more people brought into that, that victory parade behind their Savior Jesus. That's what success looks like in God's church. And so, as Paul kind of goes through this chapter, he builds up to this culminating point that the law condemns everyone and all are guilty of sin. There's no one righteous, not even one, Jew and Gentile. And the purpose of God's law laid out so clearly, verse 19, to silence every objection and to hold people accountable to God's judgment. There's no excuses. God's law is relentless. And this side of eternity, we don't see that in all of its glory and in all of its terror. Thank God for that. But God's law is relentless. So let us heed it while we have time today and while it is a person's time of grace. Let us pay attention and see that God's law silences every objection that no matter what excuse we might try to drum up, no matter what um, gold stars we might call out, well, I did this, and here's my background, and, and I was born and baptized in that church. That means nothing if it's not combined with faith. And, I mean, baptism is a whole other topic we'll talk about in verse 6, or in chapter 6, but it's the same basic idea that it is not our actions that bring us closer to God. And it is certainly not our lives of sanctification that bring us closer to God. No, we just do those things to God's glory. It is faith in Jesus which counts. And no one, verse 20, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by works of the law. For through the law we become aware of sin. If somebody only has the law... (laughs) and they try and try and try to live up to the gospel or live up to the commands of God in the law, rather, um, they'll become aware all the more that they are sinful because the law on this side of heaven, the law is a mirage that we will never get to. The better and the more progress that we think we make, the more our sinful flesh holds us back and the greater the demands But now, completely apart from the law, a righteousness has been made known. The law and the prophets testify to it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There is no place for boasting, because all stand before God through faith in Jesus Christ and not on their own works. The God of Jew and the God of Gentile have been united and brought into the same church. The law is still there, but faith, faith is where we stand, knowing that we cannot keep God's law, and faith is where we stand. And because of the work of Jesus and his bringing us to faith, We look around and we say, Lord, give me an opportunity to demonstrate my love for you and really to fulfill the law in my actions with others. By this faith, we uphold the law, not perfectly, but little by little, and say, Lord, just let me bring glory to you in this one little way.
because I know that you have done everything for me to make me righteous in your eyes. You've promised me hope and a future. And the mouth that was silenced by the preaching of God's law cannot help but break forth in praise to the God who gave us his son. You can find us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., 2250 South Holland Savannah Road in Mahomey. You can also follow us on Twitter at Raise with Jesus. God bless your day.